to my favorite theorem. I'm your host, Evelyn Lamb. I'm a freelance math and science writer based in Salt Lake City. Um, today, I am by myself because I'm on location. I'm in Washington, D.C. right now for the Science Writers Conference. That's the conference for the National Association of Science Writers. And I'm really happy to be joined by Yen Duong, who is uh, a also a science writer with a math background. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, so I am in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I work part-time for North Carolina Health News, and the rest of my time I am a freelance math and science writer, like you. Yeah. Uh, and I just finished the AAAS Mass Media Fellowship this summer, and before that I got my PhD at UIC in Geometric Group Theory. Yeah, and the AAAS Fellowship is the one that, the way I started doing science writing as well, um, a lot of people... It, like when you come to conferences like these, you find out a lot of people who are more senior in the field have also gone through this. So it's really great. Um, it's the uh, application deadline, I believe, is in January. So we'll try to air this at a time when people can uh, look into that and apply for it. But yeah, it's a great program that brings grad students in science, you know, math and other sciences into newsrooms to learn a little bit about how the news gets made and how to report on science um, for a broader audience. So it was a great experience for me. It sounds like it was a great experience for you. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's 10 weeks. I think this coming year, the stipend will be $6,000. So that's great. It is paid. Um, and for me, at least, it jump-started the rest of my career as a math and science writer. Yeah, definitely. And nice to hear that it's being paid a little more. <laughs> I, I lived in New York City for less than that, and that was difficult. <laughs> okay, so do you want to tell us about your favorite theorem? Okay, I've been listening to this podcast for a while, and I was like, okay, I'll do a really fancy one to be really impressive, and people will think I'm fancy. But I decided not to do that because I'm not that fancy and I think it's silly to be that pretentious. <laughs> so uh, I'm going with uh, one of the first theorems I learned like as an undergrad, which was um, Ramsey theory, that the Ramsey number of 33 R33 equals 6. Okay, great. So yeah, tell us what a Ramsey number is. Okay, so this is from graph theory. Uh, and the idea of saying R33 equals 6, I'll just do the whole spiel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And please use your hands a lot. It's really helpful for the podcast medium when you're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm Like Ramsey theory, I'm like moving my hands all around to show you what everything is. So yeah. I will attempt not to grab a pen and paper and start drawing things. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have any available right now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the idea is that let's say that you are trying to put together a committee. Mm -hmm. of three people. And you either want all three people to pairwise know each other and have worked together before, or you want all three people to be relative strangers. What you don't want is one person in the middle and everyone talks to them and then the other two people don't talk to each other. That's mm -hmm. a bad committee. Yeah. So the question is, how many people do you need to look at to guarantee that you can find such a committee? Right. So how big is your pool going to be of people you're choosing? Exactly. So like if I look at three people, well, that's not great because it's me, you and someone in the next room. And there you go. We yeah. don't have a good committee. And if I look at 100 people, I'm like, OK, I'm pretty sure I can find this <laughs> with 100 people. Yeah. So what Ramsey theory does is use graph theory to answer this question. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like I said, the giveaway was that the number is six. Um, and something that I really love about this theorem is that you can teach it to literal 
I think I taught it to 10-year-olds this summer. Nice. Um, and it's just a really nice, basic introduction to the, to, in my opinion, the fun parts of math. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids who are like, oh, I have to memorize equations and I hate doing this. And then I start drawing pictures and I explain the pigeonhole principle. And they're like, oh, I get it. Like, I can do this. I'm like, yes, yeah. you can. Everyone can do math. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So the the proof for that is is kind of like you you take a hexagon, right? Or, or the, the vertices of a hexagon and try to build graph. So, so what do you do to, to like show, show like, yeah, denote whether you have friends or strangers or okay. so acquaintances? We can do, um, so graph theory is when you have vertices, which are dots and edges, which are lines in between dots and you use it to like describe data and information systems. So in this case, we can make each person a dot. So we'll put six dots on a piece of paper I do not have paper. I am mm-hmm. using my hands. Um, <laughs> so I'll have six dots on a piece of paper, and we'll draw a blue line for friends, and we can draw a red line for strangers. Mm-hmm. So now our question becomes, how many dots do I need to make either a red triangle or a blue triangle? So if you have six dots, let's look at one person, and that person will be me. Mm-hmm. And I look out at this crowd of five people. So at least for at least three of those people, I will have the same color line going to them. So I might, they might all be strangers, so I'll have five red lines, or one might be a stranger and four friends, one red and four blue, but in that case, I have three, at least three blue lines. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can just assume that one of them is blue. So we'll just say, okay, I've got three blue lines going out. So now I look at those three friends of mine, and I look at the relationships that they have with each other. This is really hard with that pen and paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, but luckily, our listeners have all gotten out of pens, like two colors of pens, and they're drawing this at home, so it's fine. Excellent. Good job, <laughs> listeners. So now you've got your three dots, and you've got uh, three blue lines coming out of them to one common dot. So you've got four dots on your piece of paper. So if in between any of those three dots, I draw a blue line, we got our blue triangle, and mm-hmm. we're done. We've got our committee. Yeah. Therefore, if I want to make this a proof, I'd better draw red lines because, yeah, I should draw red lines. Yeah. So now I've got three dots and I've got red lines, but now I have red lines between all three of them, and there's my committee. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's the entire proof. You can do it in a podcast in a few minutes. Yeah. You can teach it to 10-year-olds. You can teach it to 60-year-olds. And I love it because it's like the gateway drug of mathematics proofs. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. And, you, yeah, you can just sit down at home and do this and... Spoiler alert, to do this for four, to get a committee of four people, it's a little harder to sit down at home and do this, right? Do you, I should have looked it up, but do you remember? Erdish quote, right? Is that what you're talking about? Well, well, I, you can do four. Yeah, there's yeah. an Erdish quote about, I think, getting to six. It's, so or, the Erdish quote maybe. is paraphrased. Oh. If aliens come to the Earth and they tell us that they're going to destroy us unless we calculate R55, then we should get all of the greatest minds in the world together and try to calculate it and solve it. But if the aliens say that we should try to compute R66, then we should just try to destroy the aliens first. Yeah. Yeah, so I think R44 is, like, something like 18 or something. Like, it's doable. I mean, by a computer, I think, not by a person, unless you just really, like drawing very large graphs. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. The Ramsey number is just like 
grow so fast. And and we've been saying like R33, R44, like having the same number twice in those. So there are also Ramsey numbers, right, right. where it, it's R23 not symmetric. R23 yeah. So, okay, well, two's maybe not the greatest number to choose. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you yeah. can do things where you say, oh, I'm going to have either a complete – so I'll either have a triangle of red or I'll have four dots in blue and they'll all be connected to each other with blue lines. Mm-hmm. A complete graph on four dots or whatever many dots. Yeah. Yeah, so they don't have to be the same number, although, um, you know, it seems like the same number is sort of a, a nicer one to look at. I don't know. So how did you learn this theorem? Uh, let's see. So I learned this through, uh, I'll just tag another great program, Budapest Semesters in Mathematics. Nice. Uh, from, like, a combinatorics professor. So BSM is when uh, college students in the U.S. and Canada can go to Budapest for a semester and learn math from people there, and they hang out with all these others. So mm-hmm. it's a nice study abroad program for math. Um, so that's when I first learned it. But since then, I think I've taught it to just like a hundred people, <laughs> hundreds of people. I tell it to people in coffee shops. I break it out at cocktail parties. It's just like my like math is fun. I promise. <laughs> uh, little theorem. I think I've blogged about it. Uh, yeah. So. so watch out. If you're in a room with Yen, <laughs> you will likely be told about this theorem. Yep. It's my cocktail party theorem. That and Cantor's diagonalization. So. Yeah. Well, and cocktail parties are like a place where people often like describe this theorem. Like if you're having a party and, <laughs> and you want to make sure that any three people are like mutual acquaintances or mutual strangers. Although the committee one actually makes a lot more sense because like who thinks through a cocktail party that way. Like, it's just a little contrived. Like, oh, I must make sure the graph theory of my cocktail party is correct. (laughs) Like, I know a lot of mathematicians, and I go to a lot of their parties, but even I have never been to a party (laughs) where someone uh, did that. So on this podcast, we also like to ask you to pair your theorem with something. And what have you chosen for R33? I thought really hard about it, by the way. Yes, this is a hard part. Yeah. So I have decided on broccoli with cheese sauce. Okay. Tell us why. Because it is the gateway vegetable, (laughs) just like this theorem is the gateway theorem. Um, Okay. Yeah, like my kids sometimes eat broccoli with cheese sauce, and it's sort of like trying to introduce them to the wonderful world of like Brussels sprouts and carrots and delicious things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like the cheese sauce is sort of this veneer of applicability that I threw on with the committee thing. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Even with this situation of the committee, like no one I know has ever tried to make a committee of three people who all worked together, three people who didn't. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it makes it more palatable than just yeah, okay. plain broccoli. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I can kind of see that, right? Because, like, it can be really that third wheel feeling yeah. when you're like hanging out with two people who know each other like better than you know either of them or something um yeah so so actually I feel yeah if you were making a committee for something I could see why you might want to do this I feel like a lot of people are not so thoughtful about making their committees I, that yeah. they would actually <laughs> be like will the social dynamics of this committee be conducive to this is why my husband and I don't host cocktail parties because my way of doing it is like let's just invite everyone we know and he's like no but what if someone feels left out and then he gets stuck in the graph theory of our cocktail party and then we, it doesn't happen yeah, and he's not even a mathematician, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it should have been, turns out. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Stupid computers. <laughs> yeah, so when you make broccoli with cheese sauce, how do you make it? Like, are you a broccoli steamer? Do you roast it? Oh, we're definitely, if it's going to have cheese sauce on it, you got to steam it. But generally, we're more of roasters because I prefer it roasted with garlic and olive oil. Okay. So delicious. Yeah. Broccoli with cheese sauce is really like a... It's a last resort. It's like, man, the kids have not eaten anything green in like a week. Let's put <laughs> yeah, some they need a vitamin. Broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We so one of our favorite recipes is roasted broccoli with this like raisin vinaigrette thing. You um, put like vinegar and raisins and like maybe some garlic, a couple other things in a, a blender, and like yeah, make this gloppy. What, you blend the raisins. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you make this, like, gloppy sauce out of the raisins and everything. And I don't think you plump them first or anything. I mean, usually I I kind of get in a hurry. I, like, put them all in the ingredients and then go do something else and then come back. So maybe they plump a little from the vinegar. But, yeah, it makes, like, a a pasty kind of thing. It kind of looks like olive tapenade, and I've actually okay. accidentally mistaken the leftover sauce in the fridge for olive tapenade. I've been a bit disappointed. You know, if you're expecting olives yeah. and you're eating raisins instead, you're just not as happy. But yeah, um, it's a really good recipe. If you want to expand your broccoli horizons, maybe not as kid-friendly. As actually, my cheese. kids do love raisins, so maybe oh, okay. if I put raisins on top of broccoli, yeah. they would like it more. Yeah, I think there's some cumin in it, too, something... And we're talking about recipes because both of us like to cook a lot. And in fact, Yen's blog is called Baking in Math. And it's, yeah, it's not like baking with math. It's like there's baking and there's math. It's, yeah, it's a disjoint union. It doesn't make <laughs> that much sense, but I'm still a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, and it's actually how we met. Yes. Uh, yeah, because you found me on the internet. I found, yeah, I found you on the internet. And it was when I was writing for the AMS blog on math blogs. And I was like... This is a, a cool vlog, and yeah, yeah. Then, then we became internet friends, and then I realized a couple of years later, like, I feel like I know this person, but we've never actually met, because we, we met at Cornell, at the Cornell Technology yes. Festival, and I was like, wow, you're tall, because um, <laughs> I just, I realized I always think people are either shorter than I think or taller than I think, unless they're exactly my height, because I think my, you my default your is like, oh... <laughs> Yeah, like the blank slate version is like, oh, this person is the same height as I am. So yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, you're taller than I am, and I expected you to be exactly my height because I have no <laughs> imagination. I'm trying yeah. to think. Of, I was surprised by maybe no, I don't think you had blue hair. Maybe you did. No, no, I probably had blonde hair at that okay. point. Yeah, I remember we did um, acro yoga. When yes. we first met. That's, That's like a true. good thing to do when you first meet yeah. someone. <laughs> it was very scary. It was a leap of faith. But yes. so is meeting a stranger on the internet. Yeah. So. Yeah. But luckily we were both great people. Yeah. And I also signed up for that conference because you tweeted that you were going to. It. I was like, oh, I might as well sign up too. And then I can yeah. meet you. I should have asked for a commission from the festival. Although they probably paid for your travel. So it'd be like a reverse commission. So people can find your writing um, at your blog, Baking and Math. Yep. They can find you on Twitter, your ener- Yenergy. Yep. Yeah, so Y-E-N-E-R-G-Y. And where can they find your, um, your like, science and health writing? Um, so I post a lot of my clips on my website, my professional website. So it's Y-E-N-D-U-O-N-G dot com. Uh, and then I also write for North Carolina Health News if you're interested in exactly what it sounds like, North Carolina Health News. Yeah. 
I'm sure a lot of people are. I read them, and I'm not in North Carolina, but I have a body, so I am interested in health news. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks a lot for, for joining for me. me. Super fun. Yeah. Fun fact for podcast listeners, Evelyn and I did not know where to look during this conversation. We <laughs> yeah. couldn't tell, should we look at each other or at the like recording device? Yeah. So we, we did some of both. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lamb. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Nguyen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at Nivik that's Kevin spelled backwards followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M, that's at My Favorite Theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.